This takeover with Grant Ison and Holden Shepherd is a lot of fun, but there is a fair bit of coarse language involved, so you may not want to listen to it with little ears around. Enjoy. Danny, Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a good spell uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction went, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. Who wouldn't want to celebrate the words and nerds? Fabulous podcast. On today's episode of Words and Nerds Podcast Takeover, you are listening to me, Grant Ison, a neurodivergent and yet-to-be-published writer based in Brisbane, or Mianjin. I hold a master's degree in creative writing from the University of the Sunshine Coast and a bachelor's degree in creative writing from the Queensland University of Technology. I write literary fiction, creative non-fiction and Australian Gothic. I wrote my creative non-fiction prison memoir, We Watch the Kangaroos, for my master's degree. The prologue slash first chapter is up on my blog, grantsays.com. And... With me today is the ever-quiet, subdued wallflower, Holden Shepherd, who is an award-winning author born and bred in Geraldton, Western Australia. His debut novel, Invisible Boys, published by Fremantle Press in 2019, has won multiple accolades, including the 2019 West Australian Premier's Prize for an emerging writer and the 2018 City of Fremantle Hungerford Award. In 2020, Invisible Boys was shortlisted for the Victorian Premier's Literary Awards and was named a notable book by the Children's Book Council of Australia. The novel is now in development as a TV series. Holden Shepherd, my old mate, how are you? G'day, Grant. Good to be here, mate. Um, Firstly, wallflower my ass. <laughs> I I had a, like those accolades were a mouthful in themselves to say and to hold a straight face. Like I, I was going to, you know, I was I was going to do the whole, you know, bo- mohawk bogan from Geraldton, blah blah, super gay or something, <laughs> and, uh, just something. <laughs> and, and then I thought, you know what, I'm I'm going to do the opposite. I'm I'm just going to do you know the ever quiet and subdued because. Jesus, we all know you're yeah, not. Yeah, do you know what? That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. And anyway. You know it's so weird. Like, I, I never want to, like, I never want to, like, take some of those accolades out because I don't want to sound like I'm not grateful for them. But at the yeah. same time, I'm like, oh, wow, there's so many. <laughs> and, and it starts to sound like yeah. I'm just, you know, sitting there quietly while you read this and like, oh, shit. And I mean, at the, at the end of the day, as a, as a writer, uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's a stellar list for a, for a, for a first-time author. I mean, that's just for a noob, for a noob, for a, for a boy from for a bogan from Spalding, which yeah. is the bogan side yeah. of Burton. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> doing all right. Yeah. Oh, oh, mate, you're doing better than all right. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Straight to the pool room. <laughs> oh, mate. Do you know how many times <laughs> we've literally been called the Kerrigans, my family, because we apparently act like <laughs> the Kerrigans. <laughs> 
but um, and and I think I think that is why um, you know you and I get along so well. But um, um, I'm I'm looking forward to doing this. So let's uh, let's get started. Did you know? Did you know that you are the first author to sign a book for me? Am I really? Am I the first one who ever did that? You are. You are because um, back when we started our back and forth, um, I think from memory that Invisible Boys was possibly in its rough draft. I don't even think you finished a, a first mm. draft. Um, That's been a long time. A very long time. And, and um, I think this is, uh, this is important for a lot of writers out there. Like we have, we have many marvellous, marvellous friends um, on Twitter and the uh, vast majority of the Brisbane ones I've met and, you know, we, we hang out at Avid Reader um so forth but um yeah there's there's some people like uh like yourself and there's a couple of other couple of other brisbane uh writers that don't, don't want to go giving names or anything because i don't want to play favorites with with anybody not here to break hearts you know <laughs> <laughs> no it's always a good call because you know inevitably like it's like um like favorite bookshops or stuff like that you're like you, you say something and you're like oh but i should have said this one and this one and this one and now you know someone's going to feel like I've left them out. So it's always safer to be like, I love yous all. Yeah, yeah, yous are all great. <laughs> yous, yous are tops. Yous are just fantastic. Um, yeah, but no, uh, your, your signature, which I, I have here in front of me, uh, and this is how uh, this is an in-joke uh, for those of you tuning in that um, aren't aware of our banter on Twitter, but um, we have an in-joke of uh, Holden being He-Man and me being Skeletor from the classic 80s cartoon, Masters of the Universe. Uh, and Holden's <laughs> autograph to me was, to Grant, a.k.a. Skeletor, thank you heaps for all the support, mateship, plus shit posting on Twitter. Can't wait to read your book. Bloody well keep at it. Holden Shepherd, a.k.a. Shepherd! Because... <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because it started with the Inspector Gadget thing, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I, yeah. it's yeah. it's really weird. Like back when we first met, like I was unaware that I was ADHD. So uh, I I even medicated now for ADHD. I, I still have a head full of nonsense, you know. <laughs> most of most of which, when I post on Twitter, that's the nonsense coming out. It's like just not particularly meant for anybody. <laughs> just <laughs> I just put it out there. But you know what? That's like that's why Twitter is such a good medium for this kind of shit because it's it's just ephemeral. It's just meant to go out in that moment, and whoever sees it interacts with it and has a laugh with you, and then yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't stay around. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> sometimes people scratch up tweets from ten years ago and you get cancelled. But but you know, generally speaking, like it's just there for fun. You know, it's yeah, and that's yeah. what makes it such a good medium for meeting other writers and just like exactly what we do, just the yeah, posting yeah. and just. Yeah, I, th I think with the the Inspector Gadget thing, because I used to stay like I used to stay up late at night um, for some reason, um, and uh, because the with the two hour difference between us, three hours or something, um, I'd, yeah. I'd always I'd always be going to bed when you guys was just starting to go out and have dinner or what have you, and and uh, I'd always have this. Um, you remember in the Inspector Gadget cartoon, Doctor Claw? It was always finished with. Uh, you just saw his steel gloved hand and the cat in his uh, in his um, uh, plane as he's flying away. And it's like, I'll get you next time, gadget, next time. And it's like that was like, <laughs> <laughs> I 
just saw it for some reason. And then the He-Man and Skeletor thing came along because you were doing your bodybuilding. So I, uh, I just had this whole, you know, um, I'm the opposite to you. So it was like, yeah, Holden Shepard, Skeletor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if the shoe fits, you know, you, you could be the evil villain. I could be the like hunky bodybuilding hero. I'm keen on that. But but you've actually turned the tables now because you're doing your project beefcake shit. Yeah, um, uh, oh, it's been fantastic because um, part of the 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 journey through the writing community, uh, which is what we're going to be talking about today, is mm. if, if it wasn't for that community, I wouldn't be where I am now 10, 10 months later, nearly 10 months later. Uh, you know, like uh, I've cut way, way, way back on my drinking. It's nowhere near to the levels that it was. The ADHD medication has just changed my life completely. And, and all of a sudden I started exercising 10 months later, boom, 27 kilos off my body, you know? Yeah, you've done so well. Like, it's it's impressive. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks, thanks heaps, man. All right, so I guess firstly I'll throw the question to you is um, why are we doing this today and why is the writing community important, especially now with, uh, like, the lockdowns and... Yeah, I don't, I don't know why we're doing this. Why did you make me do this? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, um, I think we, well, I think it came about because we were chatting on, we were shitposting really on Twitter uh, with Danny, who obviously, as we all know, runs the Words and Nerds podcast. And, uh, and I think you threw this out there as, you know, we should do a takeover. And I was like, yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, it, it just kind of spiralled from there that, yes, that would be fun because I think, you know, you and I do banter a lot. And I think, you know, that, you know, that banter with you and, you know, other writers, other readers, even just, just people in that circle, that's kind of what makes the social media fun for me. Like that's, that's why I actually enjoy logging in. You know, I don't, I don't uh, stray to the scary political areas of Twitter usually um, because they're very angry Um I'm not saying I've ever been angry because I sometimes do end up ranting, but, you know, generally speaking, I log in here for, you know, just to like, just pull the piss out of you, really. (laughs) 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 But you do it right back at me and it's just, and and it makes it kind of, you know, it makes it feel normal. Like when you're, um, especially once you, you know, you've got a book out and you end up doing the events and the media and all that kind of stuff. and, And it becomes a little bit like you're doing, you go into promo mode, you know, and you've got to, yep. um, you've got to talk about your book. You're going to sell your book. You're going to sell yourself as a brand and all that kind of stuff. And and being able to just find other writers who you can just kind of just rock up and be yourself and just just take the mickey out of each other. Um, that is incredibly refreshing. And it, and it makes me feel like when I was a teenager and I used to just log onto forums on the internet and shitpost, you know, like yep. it, there's there's a lot of value in that. So um, so that's that's why we're doing it. It came up kind of organically. Um why is the community, the writing community important? I think, I mean, I think you would agree with this and I know you guys have been through this recently, but um, especially with the last two years of the pandemic, um, you know, everyone's lost, everyone's lost a lot of shit. Like, you know, people have launched, a lot of Aussie authors have launched their books in the middle of lockdowns and stuff like that. So, you know, all their dreams of having, 
a big book launch and events and all that kind of stuff have just gone up in smoke. Um, you know, sales of books overall have gone up, but not necessarily by new names or debut authors who no one's yet heard of. So a lot of people have missed the opportunity. So um, having a space where the writing community can support each other, and I think Twitter is probably the main place that that happens, you know, more than Facebook or, or Instagram, I would say Twitter is where a lot of us hang out regularly. Um, I think that's been really important just to kind of, I don't know, like amplify voices and amplify book releases and that kind of thing. Um, but even just keep each other sane and, and have other writers to talk to and say, um, you know, I'm struggling. I can't write right now because it's too much. Things like yeah. that. I don't know. What do you, how have you found it? Like during the last two years? Well, for, for, for me, um, uh, like being my dad's full-time carer, um, as you know, he has Parkinson's disease. So when the lockdowns all started last year, before I was uh, medicated for ADHD, it was like, I really didn't know how I was going to get through last year alone doing this, the, like the thinking for two and all that. But, you know, mm. then I, I would come to Twitter and, you know, those that know me best, like yourself and uh, a few others that we regularly interact with, you know, it was sort of like, even though you guys weren't here or couldn't physically come to my house, it was like, it was like you guys were actually here, you know. Mm, mm. But, I, I, you know, I, I think, yeah, with the writing community, and we discussed this last week, which um, was lost on the, the, the first recording, was that, um, you know, writers need one another um, more so... Uh, with their mm. writing than their family and friends because you know at the end of the day family and friends like um you know yourself it's like you, you try and get one of your mates to read a thing it's like ah oh, yeah okay but with the the writers you, you know you we're all in this together um you know it's it's um mm. it's, it's not a competition um by all means no so, um but I, I think it's important that as creatives, you know, we, we band together because the creatives at the end of the day are usually the ones with the solutions to a lot of the, the problems. Um, you know, what, well, I mean, what do you think? I mean, yeah, oh, totally what you're saying. Like, like the creatives are the ones who are going to be your mates. They're going to be probably your first readers, you know, so, so that's really important to, to have those people in your circle. Like I remember, um, like what you're saying about, you know, if you get a mate to read your stuff, like I remember uh, giving uh, a short story I wrote to a couple of my mates from Jero, and I knew they both read fantasy. It was a fantasy short story this is years ago. And the, you know, I, I wanted feedback. I was soliciting feedback on my writing and I wanted that. Um, but what I got was just this, like, you know, one mate had done a PhD in chemistry. And so he's responded going, Dum, 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 dum. here's what's wrong with your book here's what's wrong with this here's what's wrong with this here's what... and just like tore this short story to shreds and oh, i'd no. never ever shared my work you know with anyone and so yeah. and and i blasted him like i let rip and i was like jesus fucking christ tell me what you really think <laughs> um you know <laughs> which i think we can say we can say fuck on here right i hope we can yeah, um, yeah we just had that one word we we can't say 
Anyway. Uh, Danny didn't want us to say, there's one word we can't say, right? Yeah, no, nah, yeah, yeah. Can't. It's just, just one, just one. Okay. Can't. Okay. Can't. <laughs> we can't. Okay. <laughs> we are the worst. Um, oh, terrible. No, terrible. so, you know, <laughs> um, but no, so this mate, you know, he's, he's a great mate, by the way. We're still really good mates. Like when I went on my book tour in Melbourne, you know, I stayed with him and he was an absolute champion. Um, but he wasn't a writer. So he didn't get the, I'm not a PhD person. I don't just want your critical feedback. This is a part of my soul. I need you to like tell me, yes, what didn't work, but also tell me like the bits that you did like. And, you know, I need to get good and the bad feedback. Writers need that because we're really sensitive and it's really vulnerable to share that kind of stuff. Um, But that was like my big lesson was that, you know, other writers get that. Other writers will give you the balanced feedback and they will gently tell you, Here's some constructive stuff, but they'll also make sure you don't feel like you've just been shot. You know, yeah. that's <laughs> like, exactly right. It's yeah. not, a, not a nice feeling. And at the same time, I don't know if you've shown your work to like family or friends, but I, um, the podcast I was just recording, just like literally just before this, um, I was asked, you know, how family and friends reacted to, you know, like Invisible Boys with all the graphic sex and, and it like it's very, you know, it's very exposing. Even if I tell you it's fictional, you know, some of it comes from real life. So um, it's a bit exposing. So she was like, oh, what, you know, what was the reaction? And I actually was like, huh, I don't think I got one. Like, I, I don't think I, you know, I don't think I got the reaction I wanted. from. Sorry, I was just going to say, I've, I've got a classic one. Um, yeah. Uh, my, my best mate, um, who came to visit me in prison. Um, he came uh, like Christmas, my birthday, uh, and a couple of other times. And mm. the only other people who had read my very first draft of my uh, memoir, um, which is self-titled, uh, We Watched the, the Kangaroos, um, mm. uh, the only ones that had read it were the students in my uh, master's degree. And I'd got, right. I'd got you know, valuable feedback from them. I mean, um, you know, a lot of them were teachers, a couple of them were teachers and that. So they looked at it more like from a teacher's perspective. Um, but I wanted somebody that knew me to read it. Like, and, and I asked uh, my mate, I, I said, um, would you read my memoir? And he's like, I know how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> it's so He's like, 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 you told me all the story. Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, he grew up in Mount Isa, so he's got that, he's got just that that blunt mining town, probably the same as like Geraldton people, just very blunt. Yeah. You know, like, doesn't interest me. So you've told me the stories. Dad, dad was the same. I I said to dad, uh, you know, would you you read it? And he's like, why? I used to come visit you every (laughs) Saturday. (laughs) But it's so, but, but they have no idea, like, like they're just like, oh yeah, that's a normal thing to respond to. Like they have no idea that to us, that's like, ouch, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly like, right. You're wanting, like you're wanting to have your family and mates go like, wow, I read it and I, now I really understand you better. And oh, wow, I didn't know you went through that or whatever. And like with mine, like no one wants to talk to you face to face about sex, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like family and mates who read Invisible Boys, they didn't want to be like, oh, so that happened. It was just like, 
oh yep yep that was good yep well written yep okay yep mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> that was the conversation uh, like, yeah. i've had no proper conversation with people in my life about um no all straight because no i don't know any I, well apart from my husband husband's kind of gay um but uh apart from <laughs> <laughs> well i'd hope apart from yeah well, I, look well i've heard rumors he's gay um no up until I, I don't think i had any real i didn't had any gay mates up until probably i came on the writing scene and like a few gay authors probably through twitter i found and then once i've started playing footy for the perth hornets it's like a gay afl team here in perth so then i developed like you know mates who are gay who actually a lot of them have bought the book and told me what they thought of it and and that sounds really negative but they've liked it and they've loved it and they've gone oh i love this or they love the sex scene or they love how graphic it was so that was cool that people who like knew me from high school or family i think i just like yeah we don't want to talk about you having had a sex life and you know webcamming with older men when you were 16 you know let's just not go there so <laughs> it's just it's, it's yeah we haven't even had that conversation it's just like let's just never talk about this ever again kind of like great Goodbye. <laughs> kind of like thinking about your parents having sex. You know, it's the same sort of principle. Do you know what? Yeah. You know, like when you're watching a movie when you're a teenager and your parents are in the room and there's a sex scene and you're just like, no one make eye contact. Let's just get through this and move on. <laughs> I think that's just how everyone... I think that's just how everyone took this book. Like, no one has given yeah. me any. Well, I mean, we, we, we are a prudish people, you know. <laughs> I think... I, I actually think the world has become more prudish in the last 15, 20 years than it used to be. I swear, it, I don't know, my sense as a teenager and as a younger adult was that, I don't know, conversations around sex seemed more open than they do now. I, I, I don't know if I'm just making this shit up. But that's, the, <laughs> that's my feeling, having put a book out into the world that's heavily based around sex and shame and masculinity and sexuality. Uh, people, I mean, the people who respond to it totally love sex, <laughs> but, but a lot of a lot of people kind of go, "Oh, why is it? You know, why is Holden Shepherd obsessed with sex so much?" You know, what the fuck? <laughs> and, um, and, you know, tw and Twitter is a perfect example of that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but like, I, but I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely just so, I, I don't feel shame around it, and I, I'm, you know, there's certain settings where obviously you wouldn't talk about that kind of stuff, but. But if I'm an adult talking to other adults, you know, and and I'm a writer who's written about this stuff, I'm like, this is completely normal to talk about. And I, I just, I'm, I'm permanently surprised that people are not as sex positive as I thought they were. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah. It, it's funny because the the idea of you and I getting together and having a takeover podcast was was born on that that whole what you and I usually tweet backwards and forwards because I won't uh, <coughs> mention any uh, female Brisbane writers' names, <coughs> Amanda, <coughs> Fiona. Um, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, Subtle. yes, apparently both you and I are very cheeky and very funny. <laughs> so secretly like when you, you know, like, uh, uh, which surprises me because it's like, um, I mean, some of the shit we talk about, it's like, I, <laughs> I, I really don't, like, I sit back and think sometimes, you know, like, why are you people following me? 
<laughs> yeah. You know, it's like but, just you know, okay, but but we are. I think we both I, we probably get along because we both are kind of loose units a little bit. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, we, yeah. We're both just a bit like yeah, fucking whatever. You know, um, and to some extent, I don't know. Like, uh, like, would you call yourself a bogan? No, metal metalhead. I'd call myself a metalhead. Metalhead. Yeah, yeah. There's. Yeah. I mean, back back in probably the eighties and nineties, there 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 was probably a very fine line between bogans and metalheads, but it's sort of like the difference between punks and metalheads. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. Si- there's similarities similarities but the music's different and it's the same with yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like um you know with like the stuff you listen to like i you know i call that a classic like bogan soundtrack you know like you're killing hydras <laughs> and and all the other stuff um you know whereas whereas well, for me, rock, like pub rock kind of yeah thing. yeah 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 it's sort of like um yeah jimmy barnes barnsy you know <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah but you know you look at <laughs> half the stuff i listen to and you should be crossing the street when you see me coming you know listening to bands like, <laughs> bands like die art is murder and slayer you know um but no no i i um i yeah i've been a metalhead for I'd be nearly 40 years now. I, I remember uh, it was the eighth grade. Dude, so, you old. Eyes old. I'm an old man. <laughs> be out, outside soon yelling at the clouds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, eighth grade, 1983. Um, one of my friends brought his brother's uh, record of um, Judas Priest's uh, album, British Steel. And we'd listen to it in one of the rec rooms at uh, uh, Catholic school, mind you. And uh, mm. old uh, one of the old brothers wasn't too happy about heavy metal being uh, played in the rec room. Songs like Breaking the Law, for example. But um, mm. yeah, no, no. Uh, metal no, definitely. Catholic, Catholics don't like it because it's satanic. Like, or it's seen as, it's seen as satanic. No, but seriously, like my brother got, he was listening to like Metallica and um, I don't know. I kind of think like Nirvana, like just like the stuff that was around in the you know, mid nineties. Um, and he got like, this is going to sound very high school. I don't know if you even used it as a word at school, but like, you know, he got busted, but it was worse. He got stunted, you know, like, oh, I don't know if that was a word that you guys used. Okay. No, we used to get like, if you got busted at school, that was bad. But like, if you got stunted, I don't know why that was like the worst that you could get. It was like just getting told off, but he got badly told off. Okay. by my parents like he got slammed and he had to like throw out all his heavy metal and he was only allowed to have like good proper music kind of thing so it was seen as like this really really terrible if you listen to metal you're going to be violent kind of thing mm-hmm. um which but you know then i went on i i think maybe because of that I, I went on to find rock and punk and all that kind of stuff um and even a little bit of metal but not like you um, but much safer mainstream metal, I would say. Um, but I would, I like, I found freedom in that because it was it was pushing back against uh, conservatives, you know, conservatism, and I don't know, being proper. And I think that's probably what I was getting at when I was saying, do you call yourself bogan? And maybe loose unit is the better term for both of us. Um, well, I mean, you do have you, know, I mean, you do have your loose units in the metal the metalhead scene anyway. I mean, have you ever yeah. ever, ever been in a no, mosh you know pit? What, that's, <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. But I think that's what, like, maybe, I guess I'm getting at, you know, maybe why we, we get along and we click and we have um, that banter is because we're in a, a writing community which is hugely supportive of writers, but, um, you know, you don't always necessarily 
fit in with all writers. You know, I, I've definitely come in feeling like this, this bogan kid from Geraldton and how can I possibly, how are these writing people going to actually like me or think I'm any worth anything? You know, it's, yeah, it's a like, weird like, place to come from. So I think you and I kind of get it with these outsider loose units in that community. Yeah, yeah. it's like, I mean, you, you don't you don't have to be friends with every single writer. That's not what the writing community is about. I mean, uh, like, mm. you know, it's even little things like, you know, supporting your local independent bookstore. You know, we, we don't need more billionaires going into space. You know, the independent bookstores like Avid Reader, um, you know, they, they, they do a lot of charity work. Um, they do things within mm. the community. It's, it's not just a store. They're, they're a community mm. in themselves, you know, because they're helping. Like when the lockdowns were on last year, you know, they, they were um, jumping on their push bikes to do local deliveries if people ordered books from them, you know, things like that. But, you know. That's amazing. Oh, they, they're a few. I was gonna say, my sense of avid reader, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like that's. I mean, I know there's lots of really awesome bookshops, you know, in, in Brisbane, and I've, I've been to a handful of them. But I, my sense is that a lot of the, the literary kind of crowd gathers there. Is that like, is that, is it like a hub for the community there? I, 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 that? I, that was a, that, that's a hard agree with the, the literary crowd because um, a lot of the uh, author events that they have, it's more of the literary literature sort of nature, you know. You, you know gotcha. uh, so you, you know, you probably, um, you know, but it you feels know. very welcoming. Like it feels like they just welcome that tribe of authors into that space. Oh, it's a lot of events. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. Like up until uh, sort of. Last year, beginning of last year, I, I I'd planned. I'd never gone to any of their author events previously, and um, uh, I last year I was starting to come out of my shell more. Uh, the you know because it's been six and a half years now since I got out of prison. But the first sort of three or four years of that, I was sort of dealing with PTSD and yeah, yeah. everything that comes along with seeing some of the most horrible, violent things you could ever witness. And I sort of shut myself away from society for a while because it was like I just got sick of people, basically, to, to be brutally honest. It was like um, after what yeah. I went through with my lawyers, the courts and old friends, ex-friends, and, you know, it's just sort of, yeah, it just sort of not broke me, but it was like I just needed time to just don't deal with anybody. And then Dad got diagnosed with mm. Parkinson's and, about uh, three, yeah, three years ago now. So um, I've been his full-time carer since, and that sort of stopped me from going out, uh, you yeah, know, to a great extent. Like I, I still can. Like he's he's capable of, um, you know, doing things on his own. It's just I do the vast majority of things that he can't, you know, cooking, cleaning, and all that. And uh, and this, and I was getting a lot of support from a lot of you guys. Um, quite often like even if I was having a, a terrible day or you know things were getting to me you know like I always tried to maintain my authenticity on Twitter you know like that's why I'm very upfront and I'm very open about my ADHD um, it's like if, if if you can't be authentic uh, to to the people you interact with whether it's on Twitter uh, or you go to the author events or you know what have you it's it's like it won't show in your writing 
you know, if you're not authentic, like if you're trying to be something you're not, um, you, you know what I mean? Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's really important. And, you, um, you know, the people on social media who I don't get along with, and, and there aren't many of those, but like the types of authors I'm thinking of is, is people who start off using it for the wrong kind of, like just for sales and they kind of go into like a sales bot mentality. And that's something that I used to do. Whereas, you know, cause I didn't know how to use Twitter when I started and I didn't understand it. So I would just be there going, Hey, my short story is available as an ebook for 99 cents. Get it now. Here's the link. Here's the cover. And just like posting shit like that all the time and not ever being a human being, you know, I was just being a sales bot and I didn't understand, you know, why am I only getting like one or two likes on my tweets and, you know, everyone else seems to be like having a party and they all know each other. And uh, why am I not in this party? And it took a while and some webinars to kind of learn that to do social media well, it's actually, you know, forget about selling the book and forget about um, being a sales bot, just rock up and be you. And that, so that was a bit of a turning point for me. Funnily enough, and you probably won't believe this, um, I never used to take selfies and put them on social media at all. No way. Like I never ever. No, don't no, believe genuinely. you. Don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, but that's like, I, I literally never did it. And I think um, it must have been 2017 or 2018 or something around there. Um, and I did a webinar with this, you know, marketing guru guy. It was actually really useful. He kind of said, you know, if you're going to use Twitter, be on there for 30 minutes a day, um, you know, show your face. Don't just be a Yep. you know, an avatar that's not you, like don't be a book cover, be a human. So I was like, okay, right. So I'm going to take selfies. And, uh, you know, it, it does not sound believable in any way now, but I didn't used to take selfies. And I didn't just like taking selfies because I didn't like, I didn't like how I looked. Um, so I never took any photos. And then once this guy said that, I was like, okay, if I want to be successful at being a writer, I'm going to have to get used to doing this and now i'm just like this like narcissistic selfie monster so <laughs> it's completely changed <laughs> it's completely changed now um i started going to the gym as well which changed it because i started to like how i looked um whereas previously i really didn't you know i was i was 30 odd kilos heavier i was quite obese um and so i was just like i don't want to be seen publicly um but it was actually really nice to to start going okay well i'm just a face and actually it's not about how i look it's just about being here in the room and, and meeting other people. And, and that's what actually changed social media for me was physically rocking up, being authentic. And I reckon it flows on to writing, as you were saying. I, I, think, I, I think if you, like social media or blogs, I think is a really great tool to learn how to be very real and just show up without too much stress or without thinking about this is publishable literary work, just, just rocking up and being you. I think it filters through to the voice that you bring to the page. But did you, because you, as you say, you're authentic on social media about prison, about PTSD, about ADHD, about music, about just whatever, banter, whatever. Uh, do you find that that flows on to, because I know you've written the memoir and I know you're writing, is it a middle grade or a YA story um, now? Like, does that flow on to your voice? I... <sighs> It does. It does. Like the the YA I'm uh, writing at the moment. Um, uh, the working title at the moment is uh, "Until I Jump," and when I was ten, 
um, and now knowing I'm ADHD, which explains a lot. When I was 10, I was absolutely obsessed with Evil Knievel, the stuntman. Uh, even had the toys. So cool. Yeah, I even had the toys. Like, he was huge uh, back in the 70s. And um, he was coming to Australia to do a show. It was one of his last shows he ever did. I can't, I can't recall now if he ever actually came. But how do I take this 10-year-old kid who's obsessed with Evil Knievel and get him mixed up in a bikey war? with his ADHD and his sole focus is to go and see Evil Knievel. And there was a girl that lived up on the corner and, um, and I know Caitlin Worth's going to be listening to this, um, my dear friend, Caitlin. Um, there was a teenage girl that lived up on the corner of our street that used to babysit me. And um, so I, I can't remember I, for life. Me, I couldn't remember her name now. And um so I named her Caitlin. <laughs> and uh, so like Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, because I'm ADHD, Caitlin is that conduit to the normal world. Like Dr. Watson is to Sherlock Holmes. Like Sherlock Holmes is all high intelligence that nobody can understand. Whereas Dr. Watson is mm. kind of like the guy that explains yeah, like yes. uh, yeah, yeah. Batman, Batman and Robin. His interpreter Robin. almost, yeah. yeah. Batman and Robin. Robin's the same thing. Like Batman, yeah. the, the 60s Batman was all high intellect and, and Robin had to do the sort of dumbing it down for the, the audience kind of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah. so uh, anyway, uh, Caitlin's trying to get him to see Evil Knievel. Um, I made it fictional. I gave my... I, I, um, gave a few roles to a few people on Twitter, then used their names for a few roles. Uh, P- Police Commissioner Gareth Dixon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a police commissioner. Sorry, Gareth. Sorry, sorry, mate. Sorry. Um, he could. He could do it. He could pull off the look for sure. Yeah, yeah. Might so- need to have one of those, like, little disclaimers at the start of the book, like any re- any references yeah. to the people living or dead. Really coincidental. Yeah, that whole, <laughs> that whole law and order beginning, you know. Pure, pure fiction. <laughs> Ten-year-old me has an uncle who gets out of prison. He's the one that gets out of prison. So it's still a process mm. at the moment. But, um, um, yeah, so I, I did, yeah, uh, that's where I'm at with that one anyway. Awesome. Awesome to hear. Uh, yeah, so what, uh, what, what are you working on at the moment? Uh, the working title is The Brink, isn't it? Ah, yeah, um, it is. It's the, it's the title now. It's officially the title. Oh, okay. Um, is the brick. So when, um, oh, do you know what? I've never had a title give me as much grief as this one in my whole life. Like right. I had, oh, I, I had, because I had a title for this. I've been writing this particular book for on and off since 2016. Okay. I mean, the very first glimpses of 2014. Um, but it's been a very long time, but it always had a one word title that was absolutely nothing to do with what it is now. And when I uh, submitted it to my agent now, Gabby, uh, Gabby Nair at the Left Bank Literary, she, like when she phoned me to say she wanted to sign me, she was like, I love your book. And I was like, yes. And she's like, I don't love the title. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, all right, I'll change the title. I don't care. Whatever you want. You want to sign me? You have any title you want. Um, and so I had to then brainstorm a new title. 
And we literally, and I sent them back and forth to Gabby and they were literally over, I counted them the other day, there were over a hundred titles that we brainstormed. And some of them were like the shittest title you can possibly think of. <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell you what they were because they're so embarrassing. But it was just like, why the fuck did I send that to my agent? Like, that is highly embarrassing that I even wrote that down. Um, but essentially, by the time we got to the end of that back and forth brainstorming, it was all like the brink of something. The something brink. You know, like the, the word brink was always in there. And then Gabby's just like, what about the brink? And I was like, you are a genius. Like, that is exactly what I needed this whole time. Like, just that is the, that is the title. It works metaphorically. It works literally for something in the book. Um, so, yeah, so it is officially the brink. And uh, I've just finished the structural edit. So that's gone off to text. And uh, now I'm uh, about to dive into my third uh, book. I, I wrote the first draft in uh, lockdown last April when kind of the whole country was pretty much in lockdown yeah. and in that very first wave. Um, and so I wrote it. To be honest, I, I'm a bit scared. Um, it's... I wrote it in five weeks and okay. it's like a hundred thousand words. So it's a proper long book written very, very quickly. And as I wrote it, I remember thinking this is a fucking masterpiece. And then at the same time thinking this might be terrible. You know, like <laughs> I might just be, I might just be writing shit down to survive all these days trapped in my house. And, you know, it might actually be really dull or just completely worthless. Um, and usually I write a book, leave it aside for three months and then come back to it and start working. I haven't looked at this since May last year. It's, you know, oh, wow. it's now we're hitting September now and I still haven't looked at it because I'm just terrified that it's, <laughs> it might be terrible. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's where I'm at. That's what I'm working on. So I'm diving into this book for adults. It's not for teenagers because um, YA has a lot of gatekeepers, you know. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Like yeah, like people don't like teenagers knowing anything real. And it's like, I completely understand publishers' decisions. Like they know what sells and what doesn't. That's, yeah. that's just a given. But it frustrates me that the market has to be like that based on people, you know, gatekeepers in the industry, not necessarily publishers, but say parents or school principals going, no, you know, kids can't possibly deal with, you know, alcohol or sex or drugs or violence. And it's like, they're going through that from ages much younger, actually, than, than 16, which is my characters, you know, or 18 in the brink. Um, you know, they're going through that as teenagers. So I feel it's important, but, um, but there's stumbling blocks there. So anyway, I'm now moving to, to write more for adults. So that'll be kind of cool. Awesome. awesome. I actually, I, I remember, do, do you remember the Australian novel Puberty Blues written in the 80s? Um, I do. I do. I yeah, remember, I, I think... I've read it. I've seen the like eighties movie. On yeah, it, it was like uh, nineteen eighty three. I think that came out. But uh, I remember, I remember that because I, I was a teenager, like I was thirteen uh, when the movie came out. Uh, but I, I remember the movie caused such a a big furor because I mean nineteen eighty three Brisbane. We were we were still effectively a country town back then. You know we. Um, right. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I had a conversation with Emily Gale. Do you know Emily? Yes. 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 Yeah, we met. Yeah, I, I, I wrote, uh, when I was doing my Bachelor of creative, uh, creative Writing at QUT, I'd written a chapter for a YA uh, fictional 
novel set in a juvenile detention center. Um, and I actually uh, got shortlisted for a writer's prize and um, I got third, I was like third place or something. And uh, we had to read out the chapter to the entire auditorium of our fellow classmates. And I, I did start writing writing it because I, I had seen juveniles uh, in detention up here. Uh, we, the juvenile centre is actually inside Brisbane Correctional Centre and you do see the kids. Mm. I mean, you, you see a 10-year-old kid in a prison uniform and you're like, what the fuck? Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're tiny. A 10-year-old's tiny. And yeah, yeah. when I, when I, uh, I had... I, remember the day clearly I was sitting in one of the holding cells in uh, Brisbane Corrections. I'd just been to see admin about something. I forget what it was, but they put you in these like uh, waiting cells and this, these two big Islander prison guards come walking along and all I could see was a little bit of green in between them. Cause I mean, most of the Island guards, Islander guards are walls of flesh, you know, and there was this kid, but it was this 10 year old kid in between and I'm like sitting there I'm like yeah and the kids looking at me while they wait while he was waiting for them to unlock the door I'm looking at this kid and I'm like what how I just had this total yeah, like disconnect it's... like and that's where the story came from but I was talking to mm. Emily about it and I ran the idea past her about setting a, a YA story in a juvenile detention center but the trouble I was mm. having was keeping it PG thirteen, yeah, uh, because. Um, but, but this is this is why voices like yours are so important because sometimes life isn't like that for people mm, of that age. Mm. Yeah, and that's how you Invisible know? Boys got picked up, wasn't it? You you got rejected quite a few times, I think you said, and and it was somebody. Just, did. It did. Yeah, somebody just took a chance on you, didn't they? And um, yeah, for it, one it, basically, yeah, my agent, my first agent, Hayley Nash, um, subbed it around initially to publishers and. Um, people praised the writing. I got um, a couple of really lovely, warm rejections, you know, that, and it hurt, but it was like, oh, they really got the book and, and what it was, but they didn't publish YA or whatever. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the feedback was basically, we love the writing, but we don't know how to market this because it's just dealing with stuff in a graphic way that is seen as taboo in yeah. some way. Um, and so it was Fremantle Press. We subbed it to the Hungerford Award and it won the Hungerford Award for an unpublished manuscript. And Fremantle Press took a chance on that book. And I'm incredibly grateful to them for doing that because they saw the value of, yeah. you know, I, I'm not dissing anyone who's not writing in the same way that I do because you need all kinds of books, but they saw the value in something that was gritty and real and didn't sugarcoat what life is like for some 16-year-olds in a country town. And that's, um, you know, a book like Stone Girl by Ellen Lee Hale. Yes, I don't yes. ever read that. Yeah, I have, yeah. Um, that, incredible book and incredibly powerful but it pushed you know she dropped, oh yeah she dropped the c-bomb in there you know i yeah. had to i dropped the c-bomb in my book I, I fought for two actually i was told i could only have one but i fought for two um i had 30 in the manuscript so it was still a cull um but but these things are important like and that's why i think your voice is going to be important both for your memoir if you choose to go through and just you know continue along that road with that one but also for your ya i think voices like that saying this is what it's actually like sometimes when you're 10 and you're thrown into something that you should not have been thrown into nonetheless it's real life there will be people out there who went through similar shit and they'll get that i i feel that's important to have in the book. 
and 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 you're right because I I did meet a lot of blokes in prison uh, who were just born into the wrong environment. Yeah, you know, there's there's kids mm. out there, there's kids out there that just that just born into some just dreadful dreadful homes. You know, like yeah. there's blokes in there my age um, that have been regular regular visitors to prison simply mm. because that's the way their life has unfolded since like they were teenagers you know and um yeah. and uh, even younger um uh, it's getting a little bit worse now with ice here in queensland being a, a drug of choice mm. for a lot of these uh, guys but um yeah i said to emily oh i, I just i just mentioned uh, hi emily if you're listening to this we're talking about you darling <laughs> <laughs> I, I said yeah, that to, uh, we, yeah, we, we, I was talking to somebody else um, about this very same thing. And um, I said that to em, uh, Emily a, a couple of weeks back. I said, oh, I was only talking about you. And she's like, oh, I like being talked about. So I just thought I'd drop that in there and say, you're being talked about again, Emily. It's that whole uh, what, <laughs> Oscar Wilde thing, you know, when somebody's not talking about you. What's, how's that saying go? I forget now. But anyway, um, like uh, I don't know either. <laughs> like just just getting back to the writing community thing, um, you know, like mm. uh, particularly my prison memoir. Um, it was it was a very personal personal story, and there's stuff in there that's just like I can't, at first I didn't really want people knowing, and then uh, thanks to one superpower that ADHD has is you just have this ability to just not think, just do. And one day I was, uh, one day I just uh, messaged, I think it was Ben Hobson was the first one I messaged, uh, Ben Hobson who wrote Snake Island and To Become a Whale, uh, has his own podcast, on, uh, tag on po- uh, podcast series, uh, uh, Beers and Booze. And, and I should mention, recently uh, challenged me and I think you maybe he did. to a push-up challenge. He did, yep. he did. He's very talented with a push-up, Ben Hobson. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm probably... Good for five. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, that's I right. just, you didn't do it, did you? You didn't no, respond to it. No, no. He's, he's like messaging me and going, you can just do like one every 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, right on. Yeah, so anyway, I derailed you. You sent your manuscript to Ben Hobson. Yeah, sorry. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, 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 just, I just simply asked. I said, because it had been sitting in front of me for ages. I got sick of looking at it. And I didn't know anyone else to ask to read it. And Ben and I, uh, like uh, yourself and I, Ben and I have known each other for quite some time. And I thought, uh, and he, uh, he, actually, he actually said yes, but the trouble was <laughs> it was right before he flew to the Himalayas to get to base camp of Mount Everest. So I had to wait. <laughs> I had to wait about four weeks. Uh, that was longer than that, I think, for him to get back to me. Um, uh, but I asked, uh, and this is a big shout out and thank you um, to uh, Lucy Trello, uh, Rob McDonald, RWR McDonald, uh, author of The Nancys, um, Bram Presser, uh, Josh Rosner, and yourself. A big thank you to all you guys um, for reading it. Um, uh, Lucy and I Rob. I just made a little note here. I'm just making a little note here, Grant, that I was mentioned last in that list. So I, oh, I'm just taking that. Very personally, that you see me as chopped liver. No big deal. Continue, continue your little list. <laughs> um, you know, and like we were saying, the whole point of this conversation was uh, being in the writing community. And mm. 
if I hadn't have put myself out there, been my authentic self um, and got to know these people, uh, regardless of the ADHD, um, you know, mm. um, nobody would have read my manuscript. And getting back to what you were saying earlier about people just lobbing up into Twitter and going, boom, there's the link to my 99 cent book, read it. And then yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's, like, it's like walking into a room full of people and making a statement and they're walking out and everybody's like, it was that <laughs> yeah 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 do, do, and, do we and, know this person <laughs> and you know like sometimes i don't know like i i can i've been a bit harsh to people who've done that in the past because but oh me too me you know too. i used to do it i used but you know but i used to do it you know like i writers are not always the most socially no. adept people you know sometimes you don't know how to do these things but i remember one I remember one in particular who was like an author I'd never heard of and had self-published something. He was like, oh, I'm going to come to your event. And I was like, oh, great. I'd love to see you there. Thank you. And then this person's like, oh, and I'll, I'll bring my self-published thing if, and I'll sign it for you. And I was like, okay. And then it was like, it became, oh, I can't get to your event, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to send you my book. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. Uh, it, it ended up being this conversation of like, this person just wanted to like get me to, have their book and hold it up or something. And oh, I was like, you've okay. misread. You know, like you like yeah. if you come to someone else's event, you know, like you're there for them. You know what I mean? You're there yep. to support the author at their launch. And yep. it's not about you launching your book at the same thing. Yep. Um, and I remember feeling really uncomfortable, but I also thought this person just didn't know what they were doing. You know, like they didn't, I don't think they had any sense that that was rude. I think I thought, oh well, I've got a network with authors and that's a published author. So I'll just shove my book in their face and, yep. and make them take it. Um, yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, it's not how you do it. It is, you know, what you're talking about where you get to know people at the time and you interact with them and you support them. And yep. then really organically, you know, in a non-cynical way, in just a, you know, we've known each other for three or four years and we've supported each other that whole time and we actually happen to get along, you know, oh, would you mind looking at my manuscript? And you go, yeah, of course, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Like it, it becomes a really organic thing that you want to help people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like it. It took. It took like uh, uh, Rob and Lucy. Um, you know, I think it was like three, three, three or four months uh, to get back to me. But when they did, they they gave me quite extensive. Uh, Rob especially because there was a. Uh, there was there was something. Oh, that's right. There, there was a scene where I. It was like my first day, and the nurse was giving me a rundown on you know don't don't share toothbrushes uh, blah 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 and i'd written this scene where i'd walked out uh of the after seeing the nurse and one of the blokes i'd got to know was waiting for me in the hallway and he's like oh yeah uh, how'd you get on there and i'm like oh man if this place is just gonna freak me out and like i was making a big sort of thing about it i don't want to write on my blog I, you know like i don't want to write uh writer's tips um yeah, I'm, I'm a writer. Uh, everybody that follows me is a writer or an author um, or somebody in the publishing industry. Um, mm. I want to build an audience of readers, not students. 
you know, if I wanted to do that, I'd, you know, start a writing course or something, you know, but um, yeah, yeah. so I think, I think blogging is important if people don't know your voice and that's why, that's why I just mm. write random stuff on there. Like about my ADHD, I, I shared the first chapter of my prison memoir because uh, I want people to yeah. know my voice, you know, because that's yeah. in a way that's like me marketing myself because the day comes yes. I get published, people are going to go, oh, I've been reading Grant's stuff. I love it. Of course, I'm going to buy his book, yeah. you know. Uh, and that's and voice is what readers fall in love with. That's what publishers and agents look for is that someone has a developed voice that is their own, that's not emulating other writers, that's just really them being themselves on a page. Um, so I think that's the value of a lot of social media and blogs. You know, in, it's, it, it is the community building, but it's also... It, it does circle back to our actual writing practice and our skills. Exactly, exactly right. It's it's like, um, it, you know, I see I see a lot of people. It just seems this like real cookie cutter sort of marketing one hundred and one thing where it's like they'll, you know, they've they've written a book, self published, what have you, and uh, done a marvelous cover and all this sort of thing, and it's like, but they don't interact with anybody. You know, it's, it's mm. just like this. Is, and this is this is what I was saying. Like, oh, that's how I started out. And I really, it was such a mistake, but I didn't know it was a mistake. You know, I was yeah. like, this is what you do. You have to get on social media. So I just thought, you know, you do that and people find you. And it, and it was a lesson to learn that, um, you know, like you have to be a human, not a bot, but also, you know, like I hear a lot of, like when um, aspiring or emerging writers talk to me a lot, they're like, oh, you know, you know, they ask for advice or whatever. And I'm often saying, start your social media now. Like, do it now. Start building it now. Um, and some go, okay, cool. And some go, oh, no, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to, you know, I don't like social media. I won't do it until my book is out. Um, which is, I mean, if you actually really don't like social media, then fine, don't do it. But it will, you know, I'm going to get the same reach. Um, in the same way yeah. but if you don't like it and you're not comfortable then don't do it um, but if you are going to do it it's you know starting when the book is already out yeah. is literally what we're talking about you're going to end up being that person who walks into a room knows no one and goes hey everyone buy my book it's out now and you know what you what you really want is three or four years of hey I found all these people who want to support me and they're interested in the kind of stuff I'm doing I'm interested in what they're doing and they followed the journey. They followed the journey of you writing the book and subbing and finally getting a deal and, you know, all of that. It, it, I don't know. It, and I hope it doesn't sound cynical the way I'm saying it. It's just a really no, organic not, thing. Not at all. Not at all. And, and show those parts of the journey. People will come along on the ride with you. And you go on the ride with, like, everyone else. Yep. So it, it's, it, yeah, it's a very warm, fuzzy yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, like, it, and to any uh, emerging or aspiring writers in the uh, listening in i mean it it takes time like it's it's a long haul like i mean i've been mm. on twitter for six years now and it's only maybe in the last two where i've sort of finally got that that big connection of network of the writing community um you know and you you, you just can't expect people to know you straight off the bat like if you started at a Twitter account today and blah, 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 writer. Mm. Um, 
you know, you're going to have to sort of show people who you are. You know, you're going to have to be authentic. Um, you know, it's it's um, it's 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 a it's a hard gig. People, writers like us, will tell you it is hard. It is very hard to get published. It's, it only happens mm. to a select few. But if you're passionate about it, just listen to advice from people like ourselves. Um, even though I'm not published, but I have six years of university education in writing behind me, so I do know a lot about writing and marketing and what have you. But I think, my friend, and and yes. you're a super villain, and that helps. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to make you do the skeleton noise. Hold <laughs> it. You've got that weight behind you. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen, you, you'd know the TV show Hogan's Heroes, wouldn't you? Set in the um, concentration no. camp. It was a very, I, ta- I know of it. Yeah, very tactless, tactless 60s sitcom. Uh, but there, there was. Are you pe- calling me tactless? No, 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 no. I was going to say that the, there was um, the Colonel Clink, uh, who was the commandant. Um, whenever um, Hogan, Captain Hogan, did something, whatever, he was always like Hogan. <laughs> and I think that's where I, I think that's where I got Shepherd from. Where are the Shepherd? But um, Shepherd. I, what I would like to do now is I think we've banged on enough. Um, uh, I wonder if people would be still listening by now. But, but anyway, anyway, it went a lot better. It went a lot better than uh, last week. But I want to ask um, one final question. Mm. Uh, and this is uh, probably a sort of a philosophical note to, to end on after all our banter. Um, what, do you, what do you want to leave behind? Like what, what sort of legacy do you want to leave behind in terms of being a writer? Oh, um, that's a good question. Um, I'd like a lot of money hmm. and a mansion. Um, <laughs> no, um, in terms of, do you know what, I think, I think my thoughts on this have changed a lot in the last few years because when, before I was published and bef- once I had a deal but before my book was out, like I remember my very, one of my very first interviews about winning the Hungerford and the interviewer asked me, like, what do you want? Or, you know, what's next for you or something like that. And I was like, world domination. <laughs> and, and and he's gone like, oh, that's funny. And I like, like just had that like deadpan, like look in his eyes. And I was like, I'm not joking. <laughs> like, I want to dominate and conquer <laughs> the world with my books. Um, and like, so I've always been ambitious and, I'm, and I am, I still am. But um, having had a book out and having kind of done that cycle once, um, I don't want to grind myself into the ground to to churn out or promote like endlessly. Like I like I've realised how important it is to um, to not just chase sales, even though obviously I need sales to keep being a writer. Um, but I don't want to just chase whatever's going to make me the most money or or anything like that um, yeah. because I'm not going to have a good time. So I think legacy wise, what I would really like is to have a body of work published, several books, um, that selfishly reflect me. Like, like it, there's, this, there's like a process of self-definition that comes through in writing a book where you're like, you know, telling the world like, hey, this is who I am and, and none of you have seen it yet. So 
I'm trying to be understood. Um, yeah. So for me, I want to have that legacy behind, I guess, of, of the kind of stuff that keeps coming up in my books, the masculinity and sexuality and, and those conversations and those representations that I like. Um, and then the, the flip side of that is that when I do that for myself, actually you end up finding, you know, thousands of other people who have felt the same way but haven't had a, a book published that represented them in that way. So I think my, the legacy I'd like my work to leave behind is that it would offer something beyond just entertainment value to people who read it, that they would get some kind of feeling seen or feeling understood or feeling like their identity makes sense to them because there's someone else out there like them or there's characters like them who can relate. Um, and I think it probably comes down to shame and feeling, you know, like my book was ostensibly about being gay, but I, I actually think it's heavily about shame and every human being has felt shame. You know, shame has a really important evolutionary role, but we overuse it as an emotion in, in society. And so mo most of us grow up and go through life as adults feeling shame for things we shouldn't be feeling shame for. Exactly. And so I think, you know, under all my books would be, I want someone to read it and go, oh, I feel a bit less shame now. That would be mine. I yeah, that, that's, that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And what, for, what, what, can I throw it back to you? What would your legacy well, be? Uh, you know, because we, we, a lot of us don't get to leave a voice behind. Mm. Um, and I, I think... I would like my legacy, whether it be one or two books, maybe a body of work, who knows? Um, I, I, I think the idea of leaving your voice behind, um, you know, when you look at photographs of like old photographs, for example, of people you don't know, um, you, you don't get a sense, you get a sense of what they look like, what their fashion tastes were, were they smiling and all that sort of thing. But the idea of leaving a voice behind, particularly amongst mm. the writing community like you know like mm. and that's that's one thing about the writing community is that even after you're gone after an author has left this mortal coil their works still get talked about you know and it's it's like you you leave something for people that's that's of worth like what i aimed with my my um prison memoir is teaching society about stuff that you know like you said yourself that there's things that you, i told you that you had no idea like uh, like there's no safe sex mm. programs in prisons for argument's sake and i, yeah. I, I, I uh, you know i'm not saying i want to write a, a world changing book to make people in the prison system sit up and go we've been uh being told what was the word stunted um, Scotted, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I couldn't remember what it was. Um, it's probably like a Jero word. I probably just like made myself look like an idiot. Yeah, you know, um, it's, it's like everyday ordinary blokes like myself do end up in prison. It could be for drink driving. It's, you know, like not everybody mm. that goes to prison is a drug taking armed bandit that bashes old ladies or murders their families or what have you. Like people that don't make fines. People who don't pay fines yeah, and yeah. end up in the same in the same bloody unit as murderers and rapists yeah. and pedophiles and yeah you, you're in there with everybody and that's that's one of the things mm -hmm. I wanted to do mostly with my memoir was make people laugh there there are many many funny moments like like it wasn't all horror there, there were mm. oh, yeah, I bet. yeah like my professor said to me he's like he's like one of the best things he said that you've captured out of this experience is the male Aussiness. 
he said, there's just this, this, you can hear it. You can hear it, the larrikin. You can hear that night, that really typical nasal Aussie accent, you know, um, yeah, that, that's how, that's, that's how I, we talk on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. That's how we talk to each other when we're chatting on Twitter. Like, yeah. I, I have to admit, when we start talking in on this podcast, I'm surprised how much we go into like professional mode. Yeah, yeah, I know. To how we interact yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, it's quite surprising to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, like I said to you last week, inherently, I don't swear. I don't naturally swear, even though on Twitter I may. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck off. I actually don't swear. No, I, I, you've seen what you tweet at me. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that, that comes back to the prude thing. You know, it's like, um, yeah, what I say on Twitter, I probably wouldn't necessarily say to your face, you know, depending on depending on level ah, of beers. So yeah. me on Twitter is like me, like normal slash drunk. You know, like, like, the, yeah, yeah, like yeah, if yeah. you have me not trying to be in professional mode. Me on Twitter is about what you get, and yeah, oh, well, no, no, I, I think it, but it works. Like I, I don't know if it was the event you were at, but it was. I did two events in Brisbane on my book tour, and one of them, another an author in the audience, put up her hand, and said, "Because I must say something about my book being for men, and what you're saying about the Aussie bloke voice, that thing, right? Yeah. I must have just been saying like this is a book about being a boy as much as it's about being gay, um, and she goes, "This is the most masculine book." I have ever read. Yes, I remember. And you. I remember feeling like, were you there? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah. Like, that's what I wanted. Like, that's what was so important. And that's why I like your writing, like your memoir. I've only read the first chapter of the prologue. But that's what you do really well and in an interesting way. And I think not to call it Bogan, if, if that's not, you know, if it's more metalhead or if it's more loose unit or whatever we're going to call it. But it's something that's not always, doesn't always show up. In, yeah. in our literary canon in a certain way. No, yeah, no, actually, no, you're, you're... I think it's something I like. Yeah, no, you're very correct. And that's, and that was the approach, and that's why it's taken me so long to to write it, um, because I I just kept, I kept needing to find the right mark. You know, like I, mm. I really wanted it to open with the equivalent of a friend screeching to a halt in a car outside of your house, Kicking open the passenger door and saying, "Get in! I'll explain on the way." <laughs> yeah, that. that and, but also, just uh, quickly finishing up. Um, when I get around to writing um, my YA about ADHD, it's it's the same thing. It's that it's that leaving an important voice behind. You know, the people are going to remember you for. You know, mm. there's there's many ways we can leave this mortal coil, and uh, I can't remember the quote you had from last week, but it was something about. Um, the last person to know you after you're gone, when they die, uh, when they die, you're, you no longer exist, your memory, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember where I heard this. And I don't know if it comes from a culture somewhere around the world that's really ancient or if it's a newer thing. I don't know. But I've read it somewhere around, um, you know, like a person dies twice and it's like the first time is when you physically die. Yep. And the second time is when, you know, the last person who knew you, who knew your name dies yep. because then then you, you're gone, you know, no one's yep. even remembering you. Um, and I think, I think I brought that up because we were talking, like you were saying about leaving a voice behind. And I think yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I, I, I think there's some kind of, there's a nice idea of maybe a, attaining some level of immortality, yep. you know, by leave, uh, that sounds really wanky. It's not what I mean, but, but like just intrinsically inside us, I think we want to be known and remembered and, 
and that we that we mattered more than just the 80 or 90 years that we were here but actually you know someone in the future knows that we were here and, and what we went through that's that's appealing for a lot of us actually i i do have one legacy left behind which is going to haunt any future blood relatives down the line that may want to commit crimes my dna is going to be on the data banks for decades <laughs> <laughs> I said I said that to Dad recently. There was a, there was a documentary about a serial killer that they caught in America, and a family member had submitted DNA to one of those family tree things, and that's how they found him. Mm. It was through familial DNA. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you've so, like destroyed your bloodline's chances of yeah. like getting away with shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because my cousin, he's he's got a son. He's got a son. So yeah, if God forbid he hopefully doesn't turn out to be a serial killer or anything. But I mean, if he goes on to have kids or et cetera, it's, <laughs> eh, I've screwed the whole, the whole Ison clan from here to eternity. But good one, not... Skeletor. Good one. Ah. <laughs> All right, my friend, I think, I think, I think we'll wrap it up there. I mean, uh, it went well. Uh, I, I had a fantastic time. Uh, I did last week as well. Um, the internet behaved itself. Technology was kind to us. Thank Christ. Nothing cut out. Nothing cut out. Time. Oh, me too. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, thank you for coming back and doing it again today. Cause uh, I know you had a big day already. So media day. So, but um, media day. I'll, uh, I'll fall on the couch and, massage my vocal cords or something <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I'm just glad my voice held up i i just want to give a final shout out to danny v and thank her wholeheartedly for um allowing you're going to say something thank you danny <laughs> thank you danny Danny. i don't know why it had to be i don't know why you <laughs> i don't know why i, know why I cupped my hands around my mouth but yeah hopefully um she finds this entertaining and you and I appear on words and nerds podcast takeover sometime in the near future. But um, you, you. And if we don't, yeah. she'll probably like just delete us and block us off Twitter and, you know, we'll never hear from her again because she hates us. Yeah. Let's yeah. hope that doesn't happen. No, <laughs> she wouldn't dare. She loves us. I know she loves me. I'm, a, I'm her fate. I'm her number one uh, reviewer. She loves me. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know she, she likes a lot of cheese on her pasta, so I think I could just lure her back with... Ah, yes, I remember that photo. Yeah. yeah. All right, my friend. Um, I will see you. Great. You're I, will, I will see you in the Twitterverse and we shall resume GIF wars and shit posting until the day we die. <laughs> I, <laughs> sounds awesome. I'll send you a Jack Nicholson GIF right now. <laughs> and and the, the that little girl that does that, like, grin that's like that's my that's my <laughs> that's my inner child i believe like that like every time i say something <laughs> naughty to somebody it's like straight away that face like like my favorite i think i like the you know that guy is like he's like just a redneck from the states and he's like yee -yee. oh yeah but, yeah, yeah. And i just love using that just all the time I think my favorite is still Jack Nicholson. Yeah, he he looks like he wants to yeah. do you two ways to Sunday, doesn't he? He's just like, yeah, he's just yes. like, he's, he he's going to do you. Everyone out. Like anyone I post that to, they're just like, what the fuck? And I'm like, yeah, that's the desired effect of that gift. Um, dude, it's been awesome. Thank you. It, it has, man. It has. And uh, I hope we get to talk again soon. Look, cheers, bro. Take care, brother. 
Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny V Books Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.